All right, welcome back to another episode of Chicks Tape Podcast, a podcast for Vendetta Sports Media. I am your host, Alex Chick, and my co-host, Garrett Burrows. Garrett. Yes, sir. Now, we have we do have basketball to talk about. Um, we are going to talk about a couple things uh, analysis-wise and everything. Of course, um, with the recent passing of Kobe, uh, we are going to talk about that a little bit. Um, it's it's inevitable, it, and it's only right to do that in honor of Kobe. Um, that will be later on the podcast. We will kind of want to do all the analysis and everything first, just so you know we get that out of the way, and then we could talk about Kobe and everything that we loved and maybe hated about Kobe. You know, it's it's going to be all of that. Uh, it might be a little bit somber, but it's uh, it's only right, really. So before we get all that, and before we get on to the sad stuff, uh, Garrett, it is Super Bowl week, though. It is Super Bowl week now. Um, I know this is a basketball podcast, but it, everyone watches the Super Bowl. So, Garrett, who do you have in the Super Bowl? We'd be remiss if we didn't bring up the Super Bowl in some capacity and make our official picks. Of course. And since you asked me first, I'll give my official pick. I've got the 49ers beating the Kansas State Chiefs this Sunday. I, you know what? I, I do too. Um, I see, and you know, this bad, this sounds bad, Garrett, but I'm a Raiders fan, but I'm going for the 49ers. Of course. I, first of all, as a Raiders fan, I'm already, my, my hands are tied. Okay. It's the 49ers are 49ers who is like not anymore, but used to be like the over the Bay rival. And then I have the Kansas city chiefs who are a division rival. So I'm like in the between I'm going for the 49ers, but Secretly, I wouldn't be against Andy Reid getting a ring. Because, I mean, he deserves it more than anybody. Yeah, but the thing is, the Chiefs don't have a defense. And defense always travels well. And defense is easier to get their you know emotions under control and stuff like that when you're playing on a big stage like that. I feel like it's almost easier to play defense than it is offense. And I understand that, like, you know, the Chiefs are this high-powered offense. They're the Golden State Warriors of the NFL. And they can drop 28 in a quarter like we've seen multiple times. You know that for a fact. Right. I just feel like the defense of the 49ers is going to hold up in a one-game situation in a neutral setting like this. I feel like their defense is going to be overwhelming. Oh, yeah. I, I too, And you know what? Kyle Shanahan, he's he's no joke of a coach either. I mean, his, his offense is – you don't know where the ball is going. They have that three-headed running – uh, running attack. Uh, Jimmy G threw what, like six times and they won. So, I mean, it's like their defense is going to hold. I feel like looking at a now, uh, talking about it, um, and analyzing it. Shit, that was hard. Analyzing it. Um, I do think just the 49ers all the way, there's the more complete team. Although the Chiefs defense or the Chiefs offense is going to make a, it's, it's gonna, there's going to be a lot of highlights. It's going to be a really good game, I feel like. I feel like this game is either going to be like 17-14 and it could go either way or it's just going to be like running up the score like a barn burner, like 49-45 or something like that. Wait. I don't feel like there's any in-between. I don't think one team's going to get blown out versus the other. But it's either going to be a repeat of last year somehow, which I pray to God that it's not. <laughs> we're going to have one of the highest scoring Super Bowls ever. Well, it would be like if, if I had to uh, compare it to anything like the 49ers and the Saints game. Uh, and that was like, I mean, down to the last minute, exciting as it could be. I think uh, Kittle had like the last touchdown or he had a big run to set him up. It was a beautiful game. So I'm thinking it's more like that, though. We're us as fans. We're, we're owed this. Give us a good Super Bowl. Because last year, half of us were asleep by halftime, so nobody really watched the end of the game. <laughs> give, us, give us something to stay awake for so we, you know, show up to work Monday really tired that we didn't get to bed at 9 o'clock. Yeah, I mean, there's no, you can't go to bed early. Okay, but that's going to be the Super Bowl segment. We're done with that. We're under five minutes for that, so that was it. So that was that's going to be all the football we usually do, uh, at least on a basketball podcast. But, uh, Garrett, let's talk about this real quick. Um Victor Oralipo, he is finally making his debut. It's been long awaited. Who? Victor Oralipo. Did I say that right? Depot. Victor Oladipo. That's what I said. Close enough. I said that's oh what I said. Yeah, put some respect on this man's name, Victor I, Oladipo. I, I didn't even say that. I'm, I'm gonna check. I'm gonna check the tape afterwards and be like, you know what? I was right. Damn it. No, 
I that's why I just call him Depot. You y'all already know if y'all heard the first podcast episode, you know I can't say names correctly. So Depot is making his debut finally, and it's been long awaited. And Garrett, what what are your predictions for him during this game and maybe later on and all that jazz and how the Pacers team is going to adapt? Man, listen, you know that I love me some Victor Oladipo. Oh yeah. I've I've been a fan of I've been a fan of Depot since his days in Oklahoma City. I feel like if they hadn't moved off of Victor Oladipo, they could have had a two-headed monster there with Oladipo and Russell Westbrook. Mm-hmm. But I feel like he's gonna it's he's been out for a year. He's been out for over a year. Honestly, his last game was January twenty-third of two thousand nineteen. Oh, really? Okay. So like it, it's it's gonna take some. It's gonna take a while for him to get into back into game rhythm. But if he if he can get back onto some sort of level where he can at least play competitive and put in some competitive minutes going into the playoffs and stuff like that. I feel like if he has a better return than what Gordon Hayward had off of a devastating injury like this, like this Pacers team will be just fine going forward. Uh, now, do you think he's going to be um, – well, obviously, you just said he's rusty and everything. He hasn't played in over a year. Uh, obviously, there's probably going to be a minutes restriction. How many minutes are you thinking for at least you know tonight and maybe for the time being and how long? You, I, if I'm if I'm Nate McMillan, coach of the Indiana Pacers, I I don't play Victor Oladipo honestly more than like twelve minutes. Twelve, honestly, I, like he well, no, because he hasn't played in over a year. You don't want him to you know burn out his energy or you know mess up that knee again. I put him on a heavy minutes restriction only because this team is so good right now and they're meshing. I don't want to really mess up the ebb and flow of the starting team plus their bench and stuff like that with trying to put Oladipo back. You know, it might be like, you know, trying to put a square peg in a, a, square peg in a round hole for now because he is so rusty and he hasn't had a lot of game run yet. So, like, for this first, like, month or so, I wouldn't play him at most. I wouldn't play him more than 20 minutes, at least for, like, a month. Uh, that's, that's fair. I mean, what I think they'll do is they'll probably – I hope he plays probably around 15 minutes. Um, I think – and I think they, they do what you're saying is they keep him on a heavy minutes restriction and just kind of ease him back because – and I, if we remember, we talked about this. I was, I am a big fan of this Pacers team. Like, you know, I love, you know, their top five options can score. It's in it's beautiful basketball. If you ever watched Pacers, um, but with them being so good, there is absolutely no rush to, to rush them back. Um, they're almost guaranteed a playoff berth already. I mean, nothing's going to change. This Pacers team is going to only get better with Depot. So, I mean, taking. Taking him on that minutes restriction, only probably increasing it little by little until that he might not even start until the playoffs. And so they just keep him little by little by little by little by little and just ease him back into action where he's playing starter minutes again. And I this Pacers team is, you know, I, I really like this Pacers team. I think they're one of the sleepers that could go at least to the Eastern Conference Finals. But that's just me. You know what I don't understand? And I feel like teams who have this option within their organization should look to do this more, especially with players who they really value and covet coming off of an injury. I don't know if the Pacers have a G League team, but why not? And like, and I know it's, it's got, it's got a bad rap around like, Oh, you know, the Pacers are sending Oladipo to the G League. You're sending Oladipo to the G League for a run and get his lungs and his legs back underneath them. I don't know why teams don't send their players to the G League to get run and then bring him back up when they feel like he's like 75, 80% ready. Like you see this a lot in baseball where guys coming off of injury, they'll, they'll send him down to AAA to get some reps and then they'll call him back up to NLB. I don't understand why teams who don't have a G League option don't send their players to the G League for a week to two weeks or so just to get him some run in them because it's, it's obviously lesser competition. It's going to be less strain on your body. Then call him back up after a couple of weeks when he's got a little endurance in him. That, you know, and that's actually a fair point. Um, Before I get into that, there's 28 G League teams. Uh, the only teams that don't have one are Denver and uh, Portland, I believe. So just so you just so you have that knowledge, Garrett. You know we like to share knowledge on here, but um, no, I I agree. I mean it's not unheard of for you know players to go to the G League and you know get some get some minutes under them, get their endurance back up. It's just unheard of for star players, I think. Um, it's not like he hasn't been practicing in full contact drills and everything. And I understand, you know, practice is nowhere near the game. But, I mean, it's not like he hasn't just been sitting on his ass 
and his knee's finally good. And then they're like, okay, let's go. And they're throwing him in. I, I know they're, they're practicing with him and they're probably getting his endurance up. It's probably just nothing to the extent of a game. You know what I mean? No, and that, that makes perfect sense. It's more like from the standpoint of just to get shots up, maybe like build his confidence, you know what I mean? Things like that. You, you are right. They probably have him working on his endurance and they're having, you know, get the treadmill and the, you know, the water pool and run in the water and stuff like that. That's supposed to help your right. endurance a lot. But like, I feel like this is more of like get some live shots in the game, try to build up his confidence a little bit. Because, yeah. you know, coming off of a big injury like that, you got to have a little bit of a shaken mentality. Like, man, last time I was on an NBA court, you know, I blew out my knee. You know, you're going to, you're going to be a little bit fearful getting back on the court. I feel like. Yeah. Well, um, I have two instances where I didn't even, and you know, me nowhere near the NBA kind of caliber player, but like when Kevin Ware broke his leg and then Paul George broke his leg in kind of similar fashion, when it was like the, it was like a, I think it's called a impound or compound fracture when the con- yeah compound fracture yeah. the bone sticks out of the skin yeah man I didn't even want to play ball like I was like I was like so weary like if I fall I was like oh my god is my leg gonna like pop out and shit amputate my leg or something <laughs> For, right but it's it's wild because like those kind of fractures you know they they fix them the same way they put a rod in it well I'm, not the same way but they put a rod in those and they're usually it's just treating like a broken leg they just gotta you know, put the leg back together, but you know, but that, that was only my whole thing on that, but I am excited for it. I really love this Pacers team. They're one of my favorite teams to watch. Um, I'm, I'm rooting hard for this Pacers team. Uh, even Trey was wondering, he's like, Hey, are you a, are you a Pacers fan? Cause you're just really, you know, rooting hard for the goddamn Pacers. And I was like, you know, I, I just really love good basketball. You know, that well, being a Spurs fan that, I just love good basketball. Um, and then there was – you mentioned something earlier that really caught my eye um, when you were talking about Depot and Russell Westbrook. I Not to sound like Trey here, you know, the leader of our site, but I don't – I just don't – I always think Russell Westbrook plays better when he has role players and everything. I don't think he just plays well when he has another star to play with, even though when he does play with another star, that star does really good. But I, it just doesn't – it it doesn't equal to winning to me. I I don't know how you feel about that, but for me, I just so, don't like Russell Westbrook with other stars. It's not necessarily that Russell Westbrook can't play other stars. The stars that he's played with are ball dominant. Can't really play the best defense ever. I know you know Katie can play defense, but like he he can play defense when he wants to. And James Harden just can't play defense at all. Like Victor Oladipo is a multiple time All Defensive Team player. Defensive player of the year candidate. This kid, but he can also hoop. So, like, he doesn't need the ball in his hands all the time to be effective for this team. You know what I mean? It's like you can have – he kind of reminds me of, like, not – he's not obviously nearly the kind of scorer that he is, but he reminds me of a poor man Clay Thompson Uh in the sense of, like, he doesn't need the ball to be a key part of the offense. I got you. Like, where he's – He's he doesn't need to be he doesn't need to have the ball to make a difference. He doesn't need the ball to be that difference maker in the game. I got you. Okay, so we got we got one debut that we're excited about seeing. Now, let's talk about someone that made their debut last week. Zion Williamson, who just at first I was like, okay, he's starting. And I was like, how much is he gonna do? How much of an impact is he gonna make? You know, and for the most part, probably the first three quarters, you know, and, you know, it he was going to be scrutinized regardless of how he played. But that fourth quarter, man, he, like, blew up. I mean, and then his other three games have been good. I know you have the stats on it. Garrett, go ahead, give us some stats on how well, actually, Zion played. So his first, his first game, we all know, national TV, ESPN televised game, it's going to be, you know, Against the Spurs, no less, right? <laughs> yeah, for against, against the Spurs in New Orleans. We're going to talk about this game forever. His first three quarters, eh, he was average. I think he went, like, you know, he might have been, like, one for three or two for four in the fourth quarter. It, it was lackluster. Man, it was lackluster. My man looked like Steph Curry in the fourth quarter, hitting more threes in one quarter than Ben Simmons has had his entire career. <laughs> four for four for three. Dropped 18 points. 
it was it was incredible. It was so good to see. They ended up with taking a loss that night against the Spurs, but I mean, he looked really good. And you alluded to it. He's had you know he's four games into his career. He's played okay. His PER is twenty four right now, which for those of you who don't know, PER is like you know it's not really something that a lot of people look for. It's more of an from like an analytical standpoint. Your PER is player effective rating, how well, how valuable you are to the team so far going forward. Um, his PER is 24. He's played really well. But the biggest thing for me is his plus minus. And for those of you who don't know who plus minus is, your plus minus is when you're on the floor, how many points is your team scoring against how many points is the opposing team scoring? And he, in his four games so far, hasn't had a negative plus minus. He, wow. His second game against my Denver Nuggets, he was plus 16 when he was on the floor. And that is massive. Oh, and okay, you, that was a lot. Okay, give me a minute. But um, in the beginning, when you were talking about the first game, I to talk about the threes, I was like, what the fuck is this? Because, I mean, coming out of college, we knew Zion wasn't a shooter. I mean, he was like, he can make shots here and there, you know, but he was mostly known as a, you know, as a paint guy, you know, big dunks, uh, a right, good defensive player. But you see him, he goes four for four for shooting threes, and you're like, I'm like, who the hell is this kid? This is not the same Zion I knew. I knew he was a great player, but I didn't think he was Steph Curry Zion. You know what I mean? And, and, and the best part is, it was like, was it he scored like 18 straight points? Yeah. He turned into playoff LeBron mode where he just took over the game. And he, he gave a quote after the game, apparently in one of the timeouts when Alvin Gentry pulled him from the game. Zion says something to the effect of, like, if you leave me in the game, I'm going to lead this team to a win. Like, don't basically saying, don't pull me. I'm hot right now. And you know what? He was going to. I'm as as much as I love Zion's debut. I was glad they took him out because I, I knew they the Spurs were going to lose that game. And I was like, well, shit. Like, uh, hey, good, good, good uh, debut, Zion. Okay, go on the bench. You're done. You're done. Go away. Like, they're oh my god, he was he was just lighting the fucking Spurs up. It was absolutely surreal. I was, I was shooketh to say the least. I was shooketh. Now he's playing, he's playing really well so far and they keep, they keep, they, they, they're letting the leash out a little by little. He's, his first game played 18 minutes, but he played on the 28th against uh, the Cavs and he almost tallied 30 minutes. Oh, so they're, they're already kind of, and you know what? The Pelicans are winning with them and that's probably why, um, and that their whole thing, if they were going to trade Drew um, Holiday, and if they were going to uh, how how they were going to manage his minutes, I think depended on his success with the Pelicans on the team. And right now he's balling out with them, and Pelicans are still within reach of that eighth seed. And so I bet they're just like, you know what, he's good to go. Let him play because you know he's probably our best shot at winning. And that's I think that's what they're doing right now. We, you, I mean, we both mentioned this in the last podcast. Um, you asked me, you know, should the Pelicans move on from Drew? And I said it, it is really all dependent on Zion because it really is all dependent on Zion. He is a transcendent player in this league. So if you, if listen, if Drew and Zion can, you know, work together, they mesh really well. And it looks like they're four games and they're two and two. But if they, if they can figure it out, it's not – they. Come February, when the trade deadline rolls around, you got to consider keeping him, keeping Drew. I mean, I know you can get a bounty for him in return, but he's your best player. Right. Now, okay, we mentioned three teams. Who was the last team? We got the Spurs. They lost against the Spurs. Did they win against the Nuggets? I don't think they did. Did they? they so in their four games, they're, uh, Zion's opener against the Spurs, they lost by four. Two nights later, they played the Nuggets. They lost by seven. On the 26th, they played host to Boston and won by 15. Zion played 27 minutes that night. Wow. And then last night, they played on the road in Cleveland and won by 14. He played he played basically 30 minutes. Okay, so we can – if they would – let's just say Zion was kept in the game in the Spurs game. They would have won that game. So it's fair to say the Pelicans are 3-1 and one with Zion right now. Well, yeah, yeah, for the most part, honestly. Yeah, so, I mean, I feel like that's fair to say, and that's coming from a Spurs fan and, you know, keeping up with the game. And I was like, oh, my God, he's killing us. Please take him out. 
So I think it's, it's fair, especially if he would have paid, played 30 minutes. That's 12 more minutes with him on the floor. Yeah, I, I don't think that I don't think the Spurs' defense would have been able to keep up with it. Um, I'm gonna say the Pelicans are three and one with them. Now, we you gotta wonder. He's only playing half the season, right? Does he have a shot at Rookie of the Year? Not a chance. Not a chance. You, your jaw all the way. Not a chance. Listen, if he gets one vote for Rookie of the Year, which I know he will, I listen. If I'm John Morant, I'm pissed that he's even in the discussion. John Morant is making the Grizzlies relevant. I understand that they're a bottom-dweller team in the Western Conference, but, like, that kid, not he's not a star in this league. He's a future superstar in this league. If he develops a, a fairly reliable jumper and he keeps working on his defense, my God, John Moran could be, he could be a top-five point guard in this league. You, you had to think, and I'm getting a lot of these vibes, um, Maybe not as much as these guys, but kind of similar to it. You got to think Zion and Ja are this year's Trey Young and Luka Don Luka. I'm not gonna try to pronounce because I already fucked up one name today. I guess, but you got to think that they're this year's Trey Young and Luka. Maybe to a lesser extent, but you got to. Is it kind of similar? It's similar in the aspect of we're going to be debating this for years to come about who's the best player from this draft. It is, I mean, it's obviously a little bit different because, you know, Luca and Trey were traded for on draft night. So, like, the teams, how would this team fare against this team? But it is kind of fair because what if the Pelicans had taken John Morant instead? Well, you know what I mean? I think if it would the have Pelicans been. taken John Morant, they might be a playoff team right now. Well, and but I think there's just too many guards there. If they did that, I mean, you would have had J.J. Redick, Josh Hart, Lonzo Ball, Drew Holiday. Um, I mean, it just seems like a, a surplus of guards. You know what I mean? But, I mean I've, go ahead. But to counter that point, if John Morant is playing this well with the Pelicans, there's no doubt in my mind that you move off Drew Holiday. There's no doubt in my mind. You even I would even move off of J.J. Redick. I would start Jaw at the one and play Lonzo Ball at the two, and those are your guards going forward for the next 10 years. Now, and then you move those guys for bigs. Now, I bringing up Drew Holiday again, I have to – you got to think. Uh, if I'm the Pelicans, I'm not. I'm playing chess, not checkers, okay? Um, I don't – I understand the uh, – the, I don't know how to describe it. The want, for lack of a better term. I, I know there's a word that's a, a lot better than want, but the want to be in the playoffs this year is like you want it really bad – but I think the smarter decision here is to trade Drew just because you have a star in Zion, right? You got you still got Brandon Ingram, who's you have that two pairing right there. If you trade Drew Holiday, you're playing to the long term game where you can get even more great talent like that. Cause they I guess they're proving, you know, they got a knack for getting young talent. Like, I mean, they did draft Anthony Davis. Uh they got Brandon Ingram from the from the Anthony Davis trade, uh, Zion Williamson, I don't know how the hell you mess up that one. But you have a great core right here, a great young core. It, I I at least consider moving Drew just to see what I can get for him. I mean, you still want to be one of the – you want to be the next young dynasty. That's, that's fair. It kind of depends on how you – exactly what it is, is how you want to play the long-term game. Drew not Drew Holiday isn't necessarily like very old either. He I mean he's twenty nine. He's still he's just now entering his prime. Like if he gets even better, they, they start meshing this team. There's the sky's the limit for this Pelicans team in the future. I and I agree. Now the only reason why I brought up the Zion Williamson uh, rookie of the year thing is because remember back then Joel Embiid was a rookie. Uh, he only played forty two games, and people were wondering. They were like, hey. Even though he's only played 42 games, he at least deserves to be in the Rookie of the Year discussion. Who won that year? Do you know off the top of your head? If I had to remember... Was it was it Brogdon? No. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns, I believe. Was that the same year? 
Yeah, because that was 2016. Yeah, I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, rookie of the year was 2016. That was the same year Joel Embiid got drafted. But remember, he was injured the whole year. So it would be 2017, no? Just like the Ben Simmons? No, because he still keep. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. You're so, right. so it was Brogdon then. It, it was Brogdon? So yeah. you got to wonder. It's just like, I mean, of course, Brogdon's no John Morant, but. I just think he should at least be. I mean, who, which other rookie is really impressing as much, even in, if he only plays half the season at this rate? Who else deserves to be in the conversation with John Morant? You know what I mean? That's fair. I mean, if if they really if they really let the leash go and play him starter minutes, I'm going to give you some stats here really quick. Okay, I'm giving you his per 36 minutes average. Okay. If he plays 36 minutes the rest of the year and he continues his average now, he'll average 27 points, 12 and a half rebounds, so 12 rebounds a game, and three assists. Well, damn. Like, are you (laughs) kidding me? At that point, listen, if that comes to fruition and Zion is a monster, maybe not averaging 27, but if he's averaging like 20 plus and almost 10 boards a game, like last year, how how it should have had co-rookies of the year last year because it's not an unheard of thing before we've had rookies of the year before like co-rookies of the year mm-hmm. we do we consider giving co-rookies of the year to jaw and zion Williamson? uh no i it, it it's not fair to john moran you know what i mean and i'll i'll give you another example here in a minute but you know john moran has been balling out this whole year as you said he's making that grizzlies team relevant I mean, that team is still so young, and they already have the eighth seed right now. Uh, they may or may not keep it. It'll Time will tell. But at least no one was expecting the, this Grizzlies team to be this good. They were expected to be one of those exciting young teams, really fast-paced, really just, you know, to get you excited for the future. But right now they're like, okay, we're in the future already. We're already the eighth seed. So, And you can't discredit Ja from that, despite – no matter how Zion's playing, because Zion's only going to play half the year. So, in the sense, I'm with you on the John Morant. It shouldn't be even a discussion anymore, um, despite how Zion plays for the rest of the year. I, I think it's John Morant's. You know what I mean? I think I, I, I definitely agree that it's Jaws to lose. But if Zion can get above 20 points for the rest of the year, no injury scares or anything like that, and he can get seven or eight rounds a game, if this Pelicans team makes the playoffs, he has a case. But if the Pelicans team misses out in the playoffs this year, then I think it, it goes straight to John Morant. Now, going back to what you were saying about the co or the co rookie of the years last year with Luca and Trey Young, I don't agree with that because for the almost the same reason, just it's kind of different. Uh, Luca was balling out from the start. From the start, not to say that Trey Young was not balling out, but he wasn't doing as much as Luca. And then after the All Star break, Trey Young doing was doing the same thing as uh, Luca was. And so it was like Trey Young was. I don't think Trey Young should get half of that credit and get the full award when Luca's been doing it the whole year. And that was the same thing as I feel about this year. Is John Moran's been doing this the whole entire year. Zion, no matter how well he does, is only doing it for half the year. And I think longevity, at least for the whole season, is a factor that needs to be played in the rookie of the year. That's definitely fair. The only thing going in Zion's favor for a co-rookie of the year debate, if we were to have this debate come, I think it's the end of the season, like late April, um, is his, his only argument here for missing half the year is because he was hurt. You know, Troy Young was still playing the entire year last year. He, did, he was playing well, just not up to the level that, you know, Luke was playing. And then, like you said, after the All-Star break, he lit the world on fire. Right. Yeah, I... So, it's, to me, to me, I don't know. If he if he can play well and, and if this Pelicans team sneaks into the playoffs, I think there's there's a debate to be had. I mean, there's always going to be a debate, but I, I, I don't think it's a good one. You know what I mean? I think John Morant, it's John Morant's forever. Not forever, of course. Oh, but I, I, I agree with you. Yeah. I... I, I don't necessarily agree that it should be if, if that was the case, but like if if they make the playoffs, he's got a he's got a shot at it. But I think 
if you ask me who my vote goes to right now, it's John Morant 11 times out of 10. Okay, so we got the basketball analysis out the way. We got our Super Bowl picks out the way. Um, like I said at the beginning, it, it wouldn't be right if we didn't talk about Kobe at all in this podcast. I mean, this pod, the first podcast since he's passed away. Um, you know, I you know more than anything that I was a huge ass Kobe fan. I mean, there was times when we were um, we would play two K against each other, and I would just want to play with the Lakers just for Kobe. Cause I, I loved Kobe so much. I loved his mentality. I loved everything about Kobe. Um, I, to, when I heard the news, I was watching the Aaron Hernandez um, documentary. I finished it. That was a really good documentary. I definitely recommend that. Um, but then Cameron, she was on her phone. She gasped and I was like, what? And then she was like, she was like, um, she didn't say anything, and I was like, um, I was like, I was like, what? And she's like, Kobe Bryant died. And I was like, oh, what the no, no, he didn't. He didn't fucking die. Cause you know, when when celebrities die and there's like, oh, it's just a hoax, it's what I thought it was one of those things. And then Garrett texted me, and then my brother texted me, and they're like, Hey, Kobe Bryant died. And I was like, and you know, Garrett has the text. I was like, No, he didn't. He didn't die. I don't believe it. And then he's like, Google it, and I Googled it. And I literally looked at my phone, put my phone down, went into my bedroom, and I cried myself to sleep because I mean I couldn't believe it. I'm you know I have no shame saying I was crying. This is one of my favorite players ever to watch. Uh, I cried. I, I was so sad. I didn't I, I didn't know what to do. It still feels surreal to me that you know Kobe's not here anymore. And you know it's like not that he was playing basketball anymore, but Kobe was making such an impact, and you know outside basketball world it was it was beautiful to watch and um i know i'm rambling here garrett but let's let's before we get too far into it garrett i mean tell us how you felt tell us how you found out i mean what what did you do like what what happened i was uh i was unfortunately at work um i was sitting uh behind the behind the service desk at work and one of my cashiers comes up to me and she goes you know, is it true? That's all she said. No context. She goes, is it true? And I was like, uh, is what true? And she goes, you know, this woman I just checked out, the Kobe Bryant died. And I was just like, nah, you're full of shit. Not even true. I don't, I don't worry about that at all. And I had the same thought that you had. You know, it's just like, you know, celebrity hoaxes all the time. He's not dead. And I, I did the same thing. I Googled it and, you know, Huffington Post and CNN and ABC and TMZ and all these acronyms were just like, hey, you know, Kobe's dead at 41, you know, helicopter crash. And I just, I just sat there and I was stunned. I just, I couldn't believe it. And I click on these articles and I'm reading all these details and I'm just like, I, I didn't know, I really didn't know how to feel. Because like, I didn't either. It's, it's, we, Obviously, we didn't know him, so like we didn't have any like personal connection to him. But like, I I had the similar reaction that you had when Kobe died. I had that same reaction when Matt Miller died. So I was just like, I was devastated. I cried. It was awful. I I like I was I was like I said I was behind the desk and I had I called somebody behind the desk and I had to go upstairs. I went to my office and I sat at my desk and I was just like, holy shit! I teared up because like. It's not necessarily that I was like a massive Kobe Bryant fan because it goes it goes deeper than basketball because like when when Kobe was in his prime he was playing for the Lakers he used to torch the Denver Nuggets dude when he played I hated Kobe you know this right I said some bad things about Kobe I I like in my youth, you know, I was a very naive kid. I said some mean things about him. You know, I wished injury on him and stuff like that. I would never do that now because I'm not dumb. But like, I hated him because he used to torch the Nuggets night in and night out. He's eliminated them from the playoffs multiple times. He he stopped this Nuggets team. I think it was 2007, 2008, from making a finals appearance, dude. I saw him play in the playoffs in the Pepsi Center against the Nuggets. I think it was 2010, 2011. So I, I, I've seen Kobe play probably a dozen times, at least a half dozen times, maybe a dozen times I've seen Kobe Bryant play. 
Yeah. But it goes it goes deeper than basketball. Like I was a fan of Kobe as a human. You know, he his impact globally, not even on like the game of basketball, but like globally he had such a massive impact. And when you hear something like this happen, you just you don't know how to feel. Like and like talking about it now, this is kind of the first time I've really spoken about it, like out loud. It it seems surreal. Yeah, well one thing that I I didn't quite understand at the time. But 2012, I was on a cruise, um, and they broke the news that uh, Michael Jackson died, right? And, of course, all the adults are crying. You know, my mom's crying. um, And I'm like, you know, I didn't quite understand because it's like – we talked about it. We don't know Kobe Bryant personally, you know. We're just kind of like – and so I was kind of like – not like what the fuck, but I was kind of like, I mean, okay, he's dead. But, like, now that I'm older – and Kobe Bryant meant so much to me and to so much of the it game of basketball. Different. It really hits different. It's like you're thinking about it and you're like, oh, my God, this player that I idolized isn't here. And, you know, you I really, for the first time, because um, I was a big Mac Miller fan too, and you got me on Mac Miller. Um, when he died, I didn't. it didn't hit me the same because you had a much bigger love for uh, Mac Miller than I did. I loved Mac Miller, but not as much as you, not to the extent of you. But, like, Kobe Bryant was, like, my guy. I mean, so this is, like, the first time I've ever felt um, a celebrity that I didn't know, but someone that I idolized died, and I was I, I was heartbroken. I was like, I don't know what to do today. I don't know what to do. I, I still feel like, oh, I'm going to see Kobe talk sometime whenever because you just don't believe it. You, it's, it's hard. And I know that's going to pass with time and where I'm like, oh, my gosh, we're really not going to get anything – from Kobe anymore it's just it's ah I couldn't believe it and you know he's so young he's 41 it was a tragedy tragedy that you know it's a helicopter crash which I didn't even know I was like what the hell how the hell did he die in a helicopter crash I didn't even know he was in a he was in a helicopter you know what I mean but I, I it's one of those things you have certain moments in your life where you remember where you were when it when like when things happen like you told the story that you were on a cruise and Michael Jackson died. You're always going to remember when Michael Jackson died. Right. Where you were, what you were doing. I will always remember what I was doing when Mac Miller died. I know exactly where I was. I know what I was doing. This is one of those things that every basketball fan will remember for the rest of their lives. That they will always remember what they were doing when they heard the news. They're never going to forget that. Oh, and you know, ESPN was very classy for this, um, but I can't. I think it was Tuesday or yesterday. Was it yesterday or Monday? But they, uh, I know they canceled the Clippers and Lakers game, and I felt like that was a, probably a good idea just because of how much he meant to L.A. Um, both of them. I mean, it's L.A. But then um, they showed, you know, his last performance, his sixty-point game. Um, when me and you, I think we both watched that live, um, and I cried. Then I was I was bawling because I knew I was never going to watch Kobe play again. Um, and, you know, that was one of the, I mean, he was shooting really bad because, you know, he was, he was on the decline. And then uh, he took over the fourth quarter, classic Kobe. I mean, you know, clutch shot after clutch shot and then finished the game. And, you know, they won. And that was one of my favorite moments of Kobe. And they re, they were, replayed that game. And I'm ashamed. I'm not. I'm ashamed, but I'm not. Um, I didn't watch the game. I had a chance to watch the game and I didn't because. I didn't want to put myself through that emotional torture. I knew I would just bawl my eyes out watching him play again. Um, and I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready to do it. I was like, it's too soon. I can't watch. Knowing that Kobe's not here, I could not watch his final game that already made me cry when it happened. I could not watch it now. When probably next year, they'll probably do something to where they'll play that game. I'll be able to watch it next year or you know, sometime after right now but i could i couldn't watch it i i i would have bawled my eyes out if i watched kobe play again in his last game that already made me cry i couldn't do it did you you watched it didn't you i watched the game live when it happened and then i watched most of the game while i was at work i i'm gonna apologize in advance to anybody at work who's listening to this podcast (laughs) i didn't do shit that night i was sitting upstairs in clerical 
doing stuff on the computer. I'm putting up air quotes here. Doing stuff on the computer. <laughs> I had my AirPods in. I had one AirPod in. I was watching the game on my phone. I I wasn't going to miss that. And you, you alluded to this. Like, next year, they're going to do something with Kobe on the anniversary. They're going to play this game every single year to, for the rest of time. Yeah. This day, that day will be marked in infamy. But we'll be able to celebrate Kobe's, Kobe's memory every single year for that reason because they're going to play the game. And you can always like pull up the highlights. Like it's on, it's got to be scattered over YouTube now. And yeah. you can watch every basket that he made. Oh man, know, I know. All it's... of his minutes that he would, like, you don't have to watch the full game. You can watch all of his minutes that he played during the game as well. Yeah. And man, I just, I, I couldn't, I can't watch it right now. Um, I can't, I'm, I, I'm wearing my Kobe Jersey as we speak. Cause I knew we were going to talk about Kobe and I was like, you know, Mamba for Mamba. You know what I mean? But um, I want to make, I want to make a public service announcement and I, I cannot stress this enough. And I put out a tweet about it and I want to talk about it right now. I don't ever want a debate ever again. I don't ever want a X player versus Kobe debate ever again. I never want to debate. Kobe and LeBron. I never want to debate Kobe and MJ. I, ne- I don't even ever. I don't ever want to debate LeBron and MJ ever again. Yeah, I, I never want to do it. I just want to appreciate greatness. I want to appreciate LeBron James for the fantastic player that he is. I want to appreciate Tom Brady. He's assistant quarterback. That's another topic. There's that's another topic for another. <laughs> I want to appreciate how great Tom Brady is. I want to appreciate the greats because they could literally be taken away tomorrow. We don't know when LeBron's last game was going to be. We don't know when Tom Brady's going to hang up his cleats or Aaron Rodgers or people like that. We never know when Kevin Durant's going to go away. You know what I mean? I don't want, and I don't want to debate this ever again. We as fans need to stop getting in these heated arguments on social media and in person about, oh, this player ain't shit, you know, Michael Jordan's the best, LeBron can never beat him. Be that as it may, that's besides the point. It's irrelevant now. This this shook the entire sports world to its core, and we need to stop these debates, and we need to appreciate how fucking incredible these athletes are because we literally don't know when they're going to be gone. I- Man, and you know, I I said something to to that fact where you know I, because you know I've always been big into the MJ versus LeBron debate and everything, and I I feel ashamed to say that you know it took a death of one of the greats, and you know a premature death, of course, of one of the greats to realize that I don't appreciate these basketball players or these even football players or all these athletes as much as I should. And, you know, I, you know me, I've always been a kind of a known LeBron hater. Um, and now I, I feel bad because I, it's almost ignorant of me to do that because I'm not appreciating the, the fucking beauty of the game right in front of me. And, you know, I may not root for LeBron, but I don't need to hate against him. I don't need to debate anymore. I don't want to anymore by all means. You know, proclaim LeBron the GOAT. You know, he is your GOAT. You know, I'm going to, pro- I won't agree with you. No, but I'm not going to argue with you no more. I can't. I, this, you know, and it's sad that Kobe had to die for me to realize this, but, you know, it's not, we don't need to. We need to appreciate these players because, man, when they're gone, you know, and God forbid LeBron, after he like retires, something right after he retires and something like that happens to him. I mean, God forbid that ever happened. Like, you know, if we didn't, if we kept debating, like nothing happened, it just, it, we lose the appreciate or we lose the greatness and we lose, we don't get the full sense of it. You know what I mean? And I think, I think you said something that makes a lot of sense. You just said, if we were to continue these debates, it's like nothing ever happened. Right. We need to acknowledge the fact that, unfortunately, like, this player is gone. You know, we need to stop comparing the two. You know, we need to stop comparing 
Ronaldo to Messi. You know what I mean? Yeah. Let's just appreciate that they're two of the greatest soccer players to ever walk the earth. You know what I mean? There's probably never going to be players better than them. We need to appreciate that MJ was probably the greatest player to ever grace an NBA court. And there may not be another player better than MJ. But we also need to appreciate that LeBron is undoubtedly one of the top players in NBA history. And we need to stop giving him shit for decisions that he's made. And we need to stop giving him shit for, you know, making, if he makes his teammates worse or making teammates better or, you know, oh, he's not as good as MJ or he's better than MJ. You said it as well. If LeBron's your greatest of all time, cool. I'm glad you feel that way. I'm glad you feel strongly enough about one player that he is your greatest player of all time. I will disagree with you. My greatest player of all time will forever be Michael Jordan. But I can't. I can't bring myself to have these debates anymore because I, I'm. I need to appreciate how great these players are instead of belittle them into, oh, because when you debate somebody, you're putting the other person down. When we when we debate LeBron and MJ, we're putting down LeBron James as if he's not this great of a player. When in reality, he's a top three player in NBA history, and right. we're watching him in modern day. You could go to your closest big city probably and buy tickets to a Lakers versus X, Y, or Z team game and go see LeBron James live with your own two or four eyes. You know what I mean? (laughs) Four eyes. Now I, you, you kind of alluded to it, but um, when we, when we debate these players, I mean, as much as, you know, we want to be right and everything, but when we debate them, it's almost like we see them less than human and they're just, you know, topics of a discussion, a, a heated discussion, an argument. I mean, they're they're still human, you know. And we, I, I feel like I learned that as bad as that sounds. I feel like I learned that when Kobe died, is that these guys are just still human. They're still, you know, people like you and me. Of course, they're you know fucking a lot better than you and me. But I mean, they're just they're still human at the end of the day. And when we may have these debates, it's just like we're not even we're not even acknowledging that they're human anymore. We're just acknowledging them as a points to our argument. Does that make sense? It makes, it makes perfect sense. You're you're only talking to, about them from a basketball standpoint. If, like if you say this player is better than LeBron, you're only looking at it from a basketball standpoint when you don't realize how much good LeBron's done for his community. He's sent hundreds or even thousands of kids to college. He has his, you know, his I Promise school. He has foundations in his name that give back to his community in Akron and things like that. He's built gyms and KD's done this and Kyrie's done this and all the big players in the NBA have done this and they give back to their community. And unfortunately, when you debate these guys, you you don't take into consideration that they're human, that their life means more than just basketball. And I feel I have this, you know, I feel the same way. Unfortunately, I took all that stuff for granted. I didn't see Kobe as the entrepreneur that he was. He's an Academy Award winner, for fuck's sake. Like, who, what other athlete can say they're an Academy Award winner? You right. know what I mean? Yeah. Kobe wanted to be the best at literally everything he did, and he was. He was the best at everything he was. And we don't realize that they're more than just a basketball figure, they're a human being. When they wake up in the morning, Put, they put their pants on the exact same way that we do, and they brush their teeth and get ready for the day, just like you and I. Yeah, and I mean, and going back to Kobe, uh, wanted to be the best at everything. I mean, there's there's so many stories that I've never heard about Kobe, and I'm his death really just brought all these back. And you know, I, they're they're funny stories. Some of them are um, just fucking hilarious stories, but it really gets gets you a picture of what Kobe was really like. I mean. We, you have already said that he wanted to be the best at everything. I was laughing at one that I've never heard. I didn't never heard the story, but I, I thought this was so funny when the when the players were talking about it. They were like, uh, after a game, they got blown out by I think it was like Chicago or something. And uh, obviously, Chicago hasn't been good in years. Um, and Kobe took all the players that were wearing his shoes, like his name, his uh, signature shoe, and they said he threw them away. Said you guys can't wear these because you're soft. And I thought that was so funny. Like I, I could just see Kobe like give me, give me the fucking shoes, throwing them in the goddamn trash, and then saying, "Can't wear these shits because you're fucking ass." 
and then just walking out of the room. And that just makes me laugh so hard. I don't know what it is, but it's like the epitome of Mamba mentality. You know what I mean? Because you, you can see LeBron doing that because he was the ultimate competitor. Oh, yeah. So when they get embarrassed and blown out by a team that you know you should have walked, you should have mopped the floor with, you can see Kobe going into the locker room and just snatching them shoes and be like, y'all ain't shit. Y'all suck <laughs> and just taking the shoes. <laughs> oh, my God. That, that is probably one of the better stories I've heard. Now, not to, like, make it sound insensitive, but I do – in somber moments like this, I I do try to um, see the positive, not the positives, that's a bad word for it, but try to see the good in whatever I can. Um, and some, as, as, as bad as Kobe um, dying is, um, there's, there's always, there's always going to be jokes. There's going to be really bad jokes who I, you know, I block them out of my life. I don't need that kind of negativity, but there's some funny jokes um, that, you know, it really it kind of helps the the process the the processing of his death. Like I saw a joke, and you know, please don't be offended that I'm saying joke because these are jokes, but they're not they're not bad jokes. Um, they're like Kobe, like it said, Kobe seen uh, Kobe's gonna slap the shit out of uh, David Stern for vetoing that CP3 trade, and I you know it's one of those things that just kind of makes you chuckle and laugh because David Stern, you know, we all know he passed away from. Uh, a brain tumor or something of that effect and uh, but you know you gotta you we we gotta accept that kobe's in heaven now but just the thought of kobe actually see david stern he's like hey bitch you vetoed it the cp3 trade what the fuck and just slapping the shit out of him. that that just it it's it's kind of funny that to me that you gotta find some humor in this you know what i mean yeah you have to find stuff like that to help you heal exactly you know, and obviously, everybody mourns certain ways, and they might people might not find those kind of things very funny. And, but and I understand that, right? That's just how that's just how you and I. Because I'm the exact same way. I find <laughs> I have to find ways to make light of certain situations, and like you and I do that in our daily lives. Like like when shit goes wrong in our lives, we'll make jokes about it. Like when we when like when we play video games online, you know. For those of you who don't know, Alex and I play Rocket League all the goddamn time. <laughs> right. And when we fuck up playing Rocket League, we make jokes about it because we're frustrated, we're mad about it, but instead of unleashing how mad we are, it's, you know, hey, I fucked up, they say some funny thing about it, we all laugh, we move on, you know what I mean? Yeah. Things like this will help us heal from this tragic loss that we have. I've, I've seen some funny pictures of Kobe. Either or, it goes vice versa. It's like either Kobe crossing up Jesus or Jesus crossing up MJ, or not MJ, but Kobe, and be like, it's like, oh, y'all thought you thought you were the shit down there? And then, like, Jesus is, like, doing a crossover or some shit like that. I mean, those, knowing that him, and we haven't even mentioned his daughter, and I don't, I feel bad about that, but um, I, I really do. But I know she was safe. You know what I mean? I know in the tragedy of it, you know, she was with her dad. I know as comforting and as you can, and you, he kind of gave up that vibe that, you know, everything was going to be okay. And I know in their last moments that he made her feel okay. I mean, despite of looking death in the face and despite helicopter crash, whether they were, you know, conscious or I, I don't know quite how it happened. I really don't want to get into it, but I know Kobe made Gigi feel safe. Um, and it's only a tragedy from a basketball standpoint as well. Um, of course, from a human uh, standpoint and basketball standpoint, because she was she was damn good at basketball too. She would she would have done things in the WNBA, you know. And it's just a tragedy. But I know Gigi felt safe in Kobe's arms. I know um, he made her feel like it's going to be okay. And in those last moments together, and I I know that sounds really fucking depressing but I, I i feel like it's important you know what i mean because it really alludes to how much kobe loved being a father and a dad but also how much you know Gigi loved being um kobe's daughter you know what i mean Gigi would have been she would have went to yukon i mean yukon you know set up the chair for her and put a jersey on and the flowers and stuff like that she would have been a husky she would have went on to be an all-time great in the WNBA, and we had, that is something 
that we hadn't talked about almost because it it almost seems harder to talk about the loss of like a child yeah like it it seems and it might not make sense but like i'm trying to word this in a way like so like it would come off easier to understand for everybody as an adult talking about another adult we can kind of talk about it because like we're not obviously on the same level because like god forbid we'd never be on the same level as kobe bryant but like right we're both like adults and things like that and like we're not kids anymore but like the thought of like a child like she was 12 you know what i mean she had her entire future ahead of her it's almost it's harder to talk about so like i completely understand like the reason why we hadn't brought it up yet because like we're talking about our love for kobe and stuff like that but like it just it it almost hits even more different because like when i heard that his daughter died i was thinking about myself at that age and i was like shit what if i was 12 years old and that happened you know right. what i mean like that shit like it blows your mind it's like it our you know thoughts and prayers go out to everybody involved for sure and then you know the rest of the people who are involved in this unfortunate accident as well right our thoughts and prayers go out to them as well but yeah it, i mean that's i can i couldn't even i couldn't even imagine i mean you know knowing that we were that young at one time and you know having your life taken away from you like that is just and it is harder to talk about because it it's not it's more than basketball, you know, it's, that's real life. And, you know, and, you know, she wasn't, of course, no one was expecting this, but, uh, I, I do, I do feel like, you know, Kobe as, as and you saw it, like Kobe was a, a great father. I mean, you, you saw it. He, he was proud to be a father, almost proud to be one of the best basketball players we've ever seen. He was more proud to be a father than that. And that it's really beautiful. It really, it is. Um, that's gonna be that's gonna be pretty much most of the podcast right there. Um, I, I know it's a little bit of a somber note, but I, you know what, it's uh, it's almost right to do a, at least a little bit of a tribute to Kobe and his daughter Gigi, and of course everyone else involved um, in that tragedy. Um, I we're hoping not all of our podcast episodes are gonna be this somber, um, but it 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 was almost right. We had we had to do something on Kobe because from different sides of the spectrum, you know, he meant differently to us. And, but of course it's bigger than basketball, you know, it's always going to be, um, it's just, it's sad. I, I mean, I can't, I'm, I'm glad we did not do this podcast right after. Cause I'd be literally bawling the whole time. Um, cause I, I, like Garrett said earlier, you know, it's the first time we've ever talked about Kobe out loud, um, to someone, to our, to each other, and then to people, other people that are listening that probably know something a little bit about basketball. Um, this is the first time we did it, and you know, it's we some some the the healing process has started, so we we wouldn't be in such grief. But um, that's going to be uh, pretty much most of this episode. So that's going to be pretty much it. Um, I just it, Garrett mentioned earlier that uh, Kobe was an Academy Award winner. Um, I do want to read the poem that he uh, that he said uh, or that he wrote um, when he retired from basketball. Um, so here's that. Dear basketball, from the moment I started rolling my dad's tube socks and shooting imaginary game-winning shots in the Great Western Forum, I knew one thing was real. I fell in love with you. A love so deep, I gave you my all. From my mind and body to my spirit and soul. As a six-year-old boy, deeply in love with you, I never saw the end of the tunnel. I only saw myself running out of one. And so I ran. I ran up every, I ran up and down every court. And after loose ball for you, you asked for my hustle. I gave you my heart because it came with so much more. I played through the sweat and hurt, not because you challenged or not because challenge called me, but because you called me. I did everything for you because that's what you would do when someone at, when someone makes you feel as alive as you made me feel. You gave a six-year-old boy his Laker dream, and I'll always love you for it. But I can't love you obsessively for much longer. 
The see this season is all I have left to give. My heart can take the pounding, my mind can handle the grind, but my body knows it's time to say goodbye. And that's okay. I'm ready to let you go. I want you to know now so we can both savor every moment we have left together, the good and the bad. We have given each other all that we have. And we both know, no matter what I do next, I'll always be that kid with the rolled up socks, garbage can in the corner, five seconds on the clock, ball in my hands, five, four, three, two, one.